This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier. Thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. You're going to make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Hello, I'm Kellyanne Taylor, and this is the Radio Times podcast. Every week, I sit down with a celebrity guest from the world of TV or film to talk about their lives, both on and off screen. To my fellow TV enthusiasts, I hope you enjoy listening. This week's guest is the TV presenter and reality TV star, Rylan. He grew up on a council estate in East London with his mum, Linda, his nan and older brother. It was the era of reality TV and Ryland decided that was the way to make his fame and fortune. In 2012, aged 23, he appeared as a contestant on The X Factor and his emotional reaction at the judges' houses and his live show performances made him an icon. He turned his moment in the limelight into a long-standing career, pivoting into the world of presenting. In this episode, he reflects about his time on X Factor, receiving death threats and handling overnight fame. So, Julie, the fact that you think I've got horse teeth or you don't like it because you think I'm too gay or you, why is that bender on the TV and stuff like that? I'm not the... the Easiest way I sleep at night is knowing that I'm not Julie03678XYZ on Twitter. Amen. I feel And if that. I do feel like shit, I just check my bank balance. Please note that this episode contains strong language. Rylan, welcome to the Radio Times podcast. Thanks, babe. It's lovely to, to be with you. I'm so excited to speak to you because I listened to so many interviews in preparation for this. and I thought, what a gem. So I'm going to kick off with, talk me through, what is the view from your sofa? Talk me through your living room setup. So I'm in my kitchen, but I have sofas in my kitchen. This is where I spend most of my time. Um, a big screen, a fire, the kitchen, uh, one wall is all glass. So I look out to my garden. Um, it's a nice chilled view. 
what have you enjoyed watching recently on telly? Uh, what have I enjoyed watching? I love the traitors, obviously. <laughs> you know, everyone's on that bandwagon. Claude's a good mate of mine. And just seeing her with her high collars and fringe just makes me smile. Justice for Claudia Winkleman. Um, <laughs> what else have I enjoyed watching lately? Um, I have actually lately been catching up on. So, like, I watched this thing called Under the Dome. It was like this Stephen King novel that was turned into a TV show. I like anything a bit futuristic. So like Hunger Games, stuff like this. Basically, these people in this like small town in America wake up and there's a massive glass dome over their village. And it went on for like three seasons, four seasons. And I just binged all of that at night when I got in (laughs) just to keep myself occupied. And then it got to the end and I'm like, hold up where's the next season? And then I looked and it, apparently it's from 2015 and got cancelled. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh no, no, there is nothing worse. I'm re-watching Game of Thrones. That's how... I never watched it. <laughs> I never watched Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh, that's your next binge. There's I so know, much. I saying it, but it's just such a big commitment. It is, it is, but I, I so believe in you. You can do it. Is there a comfort TV that you have? Something that you come back to time and time again? Comfort TV for me is Benidorm and and Nighty Night. They're like my comfort. I can put them on in the background. I can fall asleep to them. Yeah, I love it. Oh, my gosh. I loved Benidorm as a kid. Bring back Benidorm. Like, I can't believe that it's not back. ITV needs to sort it out. A hundred percent. Okay, what's your snack and drink of choice whilst watching telly? My snack and drink of choice. At the moment, I'm trying to be healthy. So my snack would be cashew nuts and my drink would be Evian. I've got, I'm like Mariah. I only drink Evian water. I'm a weirdo. I can taste water. So like if you were to put like a bottle of Highland Spring in front of me and I drank it, I could tell you it was Highland Spring. Like I'm that weird. And actually when we went up the mountain for Comic Relief last year in Scotland, like we got to drink some like water from a, river and all of that shit and i was like yeah that's scottish water like i just know the difference between water it's very odd so yeah i love that because my biggest red flag in a person is if they say they don't drink water yeah i mean it's not i mean i'm terrible for drinking water i should always drink more but i can only drink evian water how the fuck i've not got a brand deal with them (laughs) we're gonna throw it back to your childhood and talk about your kind of early TV memories. So you grew up in Stepney Green, East London, with your mum, Linda, who people know from Celebrity Gogglebox. What's your first ever TV memory? My first ever TV memory, probably... I have actually got one memory that really sticks with me that's a TV memory, which is really, really strange. But it's when Channel 5 launched, and I knew the Spice Girls were doing the launch. And back then like you only had four channels so like an extra channel it was like a big deal and i remember for like two days previous if you put channel five on your telly where before there was nothing there there was like this test card and it was a countdown to when the channel was launching and i we all knew the spice girls were doing something we didn't know what i think it was a sunday afternoon at like five o'clock or something like that and i just remember watching the countdown go down to like thingy and then from 10 it changed 
and it was like 10, 9, and then there was sound, and you're like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then the next thing you know, the Spice Girls come up, and they're like, welcome to a new generation, one, two, three, four, five, and I was like, <gasps> like having a panic attack, and I was just like, a new TV channel, and the Spice Girls are singing, what's going on? So, yeah, that's probably, like, one of my memories of being a kid. Like, it was so exciting. Was TV watching a family affair? Did you watch a lot of TV with your mum? Yeah, it was, like, always me, my mum and my nan, and... You know, I remember my mum used to watch like Band of Gold and stuff. And that was when I used to have to go to bed. And as an adult, I've now watched Band of Gold. And obviously it's all about prostitutes. But like just the, the like the, the theme tune to it and the sounds that were used in it. I just remember as a kid, like when I'm trying to go to bed because I weren't allowed to watch it. And yeah, like TV was, I mean, it's what you had. Mm. Like, no, like nowadays, God, like you've got, things in the palm of your hand, in your smart glasses, all of this stuff. But back then, that was what you had. So, like, it sounds really sad that I'm sat there waiting for a channel to launch, but genuinely, that's all we had to look forward to. (laughs) When you reflect back now, how does the view from your sofa as a child differ to the view from your sofa now? Well, it's a lot bigger here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just remember sitting looking at the corner of the room it was a tv sort of in a cabinet like a big square tv the video recorder that i was never allowed to touch (laughs) the sound of when a video went in that noise of the video like yeah it was just so different and now everything i mean i live in my my house that i built is all smart so i don't even have to touch anything i just speak and it happens so yeah it's quite crazy when you think of how we watch entertainment now you watch you watch what you want when you want whereas before you would all watch it at the same time because otherwise Mm. you never saw it and I do miss that a little bit I do miss that but that's why I mentioned like things like the traitors and that like appointment to view telly Mm. you just don't get that no more um and I really like that and you see that with kind of strictly and like you say traitors just these shows that come out and actually we do all crave having those those conversations when for you did you get the idea that you wanted to be on tv did that start young or or did it just happen I think it did start young yeah but I don't remember ever thinking I want to be on tv until I was like probably like nine ten because I think I realized you can be on TV because these people are normal people. They're real people, but they're just famous. Like I remember growing up watching people like Michael Barrymore and stuff like that. And they're they're like, they're celebrities. Mm. And back then when you only had four or five channels, anyone that was on telly was a fucking celebrity. Like, yeah. So true. I remember I went to primary school with this girl and her auntie was in like two episodes of EastEnders and once picked her up from primary school. And it was like fucking Diana come to the school. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? She was in two episodes of EastEnders. She had like three lines. Like, and we were like, oh my God, she's so famous. Like, but that's what it was like. Like, yeah. that's what it was. And I just remember thinking, well, I could do that if I wanted to, maybe. And you never think it's going to happen. But then obviously reality TV come in and you had things like the cruise with Jane McDonald and like she become famous, because, but she was normal. And then I remember another reality series called Lakesiders and it was following people that worked at Lakeside Shopping Centre, which was near some of my family. And every time I went to Lakeside, it was like going to this magical place in the telly. Like, it was just crazy. And then you just started to realise that 
oh, this is the way to do it. And then obviously Big Brother launched and, you know, you see stars being made of people like Brian Dowling and Jake Goody and you're like, oh my God, that's the way to do it. Like be real and yeah, it just happened. Do you think watching reality TV, it planted that seed that maybe this is the way to change your life? Yeah. Yeah, I think it did. You know, I, I grew up like very for want of a non-cheesy term, like humble beginnings. And, you know, I lived in a council house with my mum and my nan. My mum had Crohn's disease, so she didn't work. It's not like we had a load of money and, and stuff like that. I mean, I never went without. But, yeah, like I saw it as, a, as an avenue to change my life. And then, obviously, when I went on X Factor, I remember everyone saying to me, what do you want out of this experience? And it wasn't to be a pop star. It wasn't to be famous. It was, wasn't nothing like that. It was I just want to get my mum a new front door because she don't like her front door. Like, I know that sounds really silly. And then I remember one of the first things, because like, I still lived at home, one of the first things I did after X Factor and earned a little bit of money was I redid my mum's bathroom for her. Even though it was a council house, like, I still redid it. So I redid all the bathroom. Weirdly enough, she never got the new front door. <laughs> but she got the <laughs> bathroom. Um, and, yeah, like, sort of fast forward now, I've, built my own house I've built my mama house you know it's of course it's changed my life majorly yeah it's so funny because when I asked you what your first tv memory was when I still remember growing up watching you on x factor and, and x factor was appointment to so tv <laughs> no, you're not, you're not. Um, it was back then it was back then yeah it was, it was huge and you know I remember my parents would let me have you know one vote or, you know, me and my sister could yeah. alternate per week. I think obviously now looking back, we know so much about reality TV and, and how there can be repercussions of it. When a show like that makes you famous overnight, what does that feel like? And how easy is that to actually handle? Um, that's a really tough question because I don't remember what it felt like. Everything, and you're right, it was genuinely overnight. Um, I remember the night that my audition went out, I was actually at the airport flying to judges' houses, so which is very strange in real life. And my phone started going bing, 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 bing. And I was like, oh, my God, my audition's going out. And they took my phone away from me and went, you need to focus. Like, we're going to, to Dubai. You need to get in the zone. And that was actually the best thing they ever did because if I was starting to read what people were saying about me, it would have fucked me up. But... I got my phone back after judges' houses and obviously I'd got through. But in real life, my audition's only just gone out. So I know I'm about to embark on this thing and seeing what everyone's saying about me, which wasn't nice. I had two choices in my head and the choices were, do I let this get to me and fuck it all up in a few weeks? Or do I sit there in the knowledge of going, well, I know I'm through, you don't. And you've now got, four or five weeks in real time to like me or not like me. And then we moved in sort of two weeks before the live show starts to all the, all us live show contestants and that, and we all got on really well. And I just realized that there's stereotypes in reality TV when you're casting a show, whether it's real or not, or if it's about singing or if it's about modeling or if it's about this, Everyone's got their box. And I just saw what my box was straight away. And I was like, look, I don't expect anything to come from this. Let's just have some fun with it. If they want me to be the Wagner, the Jedward, the Chico, the this, the that, let's just go with it. Earn a bit of money. Hopefully get a bit of money. My car had just broke. I was like, hopefully get a bit of money to get myself a little car and maybe rent a flat. Great. 
played the game. But you played the game bloody well, didn't you? Because since then, you've had an incredible career as a presenter on TV. You have a moment on X Factor. You're in the moment for a minute. How did you turn that into a career? I think Celebrity Big Brother really helped me because mm. I left X Factor in the late November. Um, I think I was a quarter finalist or semi final. I can't remember what it was now. And I knew I was going into Celebrity Big Brother at that point. I, I, I knew I was going in. So I thought, look, I can sit here and dress like a drag queen and wear feather boas and sing these songs I don't want to sing because I know in a, a month's time I'm going to go into a house where I can just be me. And hopefully some people might go, oh, he's pretty all right. And they did. And then I won. And then from winning that, I got offered a bit on the side. And yeah, the rest is history. And it it just turned into something very natural for me to do that. And I was brought up in live TV. That's how I started. I started on live TV on The X Factor. Every weekend you were live, live, for real, no delay, live. And you had to perform. And then going into Celebrity Big Brother was like therapy for me because I was cut off from the world with everyone talking about me for three and a half weeks. I came out as a winner. I then went straight on the X Factor tour that night. My one big brother was taken back home, gave my mum my big brother suitcases, took my X Factor tour cases and was driven straight to Manchester and then opened the show to 20,000 people. And then I was on tour for a month. So my bubbles never stopped. But then coming up to the end of that tour, I knew that bubble was about to burst. It's like, what's next? What's next? And that's when the call came from Big Brother to, to do a bit on the side. So then in my head, I've got another bubble coming up in a month. So I can, you know, do some performances, stuff like that, and then go and do that. And I never expected to be at Big Brother for, what, seven years? But then it just sort of became part of my DNA. And then obviously from that, which was live, all I've ever done is live TV. So people realise that I actually is quite good at that. Like is a safe pair of hands, which I hate fucking using that term, but it's true. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I don't find presenting hard and it is hard. Don't get me wrong. And I've worked fucking hard. Like none of this would have come if I just pissed it all up the wall, but it, it was hard, but you know, I can, I can present this morning. I can present the one show. I can present big brother. I can present strictly and I can present the election. I don't care what it is. I'm, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. So interesting. Okay, when you have a skill like this and and you're making your mark, how do you stay humble? And what were there early doors experiences where you saw how people were behaving and thought, I don't want to be like that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I saw very early on people talk to people like shit, people asking for things that made no sense people expecting things from people that don't make sense and I said this lately in an interview which was why am I so nice to people like why why do I go out of my way like if something's running over an hour you know there are people in this industry that would literally walk out the time that they're supposed to finish if it means the show don't even get made and then cost everyone another day of this and that and stuff like that and they were within their right to because they want to be like that. They finish at six, bye, they're gone. 
but without them, there's no show. So, and I've seen it happen before and I've just always pledged to myself, like I'm never going to be that person. So that's why I do stay the extra hour if things are running over. Don't cause a scene. Just go, fuck, like I can't believe I've got to stay an extra hour. But yeah, let's do it. Obviously, there's no point like worrying about it. And the reason I now know I do that is because then when I got ill after my divorce, during my divorce, I obviously had time off. Then when I came back, everyone had waited for me. Everyone waited for me. I didn't lose one job. And it was like, and everyone was like, take the time that you need. And to me, that was just the biggest compliment because I've always treated people well. I mean, my director now of my management was my runner on Big Brother. He was my runner at Big Brother. He then moved up to sort of uh, researcher and stuff like that. And then when Big Brother finished, I was like, I don't want to lose you. Like, you're great. And he come in and joined my management team as my assistant. Now he's my director. Like that's that's how yeah. I work. It's like I that he could still be a runner, like or be whatever he, he wanted to be, but he's my director now. And that, that that's the easiest way of showing how I work. Like if I work with you, whatever the job we're on, we're mates. We're mates, and that's that. You do get some arseholes, but as I've got older and longer in the industry, I've just realized if you want to be an arsehole, then be an arsehole. Fuck off because it doesn't bother me. I know I'm not. And that goes with Mm. not just talent that goes on behind the screens as well. You know, heads of this heads Mm. of that stuff like that. The amount of commissioners I've been through since I started work, I remember it was all about when I first started, you need to impress this person. You need to impress this person. Three months later, that person's working at a fucking bookshop. And it's like, I've learned, treat everyone the same. Don't try and crawl up people's asses. Don't try and keep <laughs> impressing the right people because you know what? I'll outlive you all. I will outlive you all. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. 
I think you've also done that because you've always stayed true to who you are and you're always yourself. And that is unique in an industry where it feels like you do have to tailor yourself to what what people want or who TV commissioners think is the right fit. Yeah. And look, I've been through periods where quite recently where there's things that are happening on TV or shows and stuff like that where not just me, but the people around me and even people I don't really know go, oh yeah, Ryland should be doing that or that's perfect for him or rah, rah, rah. And then you don't get it. And I'm like, obviously I could be disappointed or think, why am I not doing that? But then I just think, because I don't own it, it's not mine and it's one person's decision and I'm not that person. If that's the decision they want to make, good luck to them. Like that's absolutely fine. And there's, I do believe that everything happens for a reason. And if that means me not getting a job or seeing a job's gone to someone else where I think, no, but I'd be better at that, then fine, let it happen. I've got to that age now where I'm like, you can't control what other people say or do. But ultimately, I know what I'm like on the job. I know if I'm right or wrong for something. And there's a reason why that hasn't happened. And maybe I don't know what that reason is now, but you've been doing all right for the last 12 years. I think you'll be all right, babe. And you just said it there, but how do you deal also with, it's not just people in the industry who have opinions, you know, with social media, people can get on their phones and, and reach out to you and say whatever they want. And, and sometimes that's not going to be nice, nice mm. comments. How do you grapple with that? Do you have, do you have to have a thick skin or do you just ignore it? Yeah. I mean, I developed that on X Factor because I had to, I mean, I was getting death threats on X Factor, everything. And for someone who was like new to the industry, I had to have 24 hour security, like, and for someone who's new to the industry, I had, again, two choices. Do I walk away from all of this now or do I keep going? And I just kept going. And over the years, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can look on social media, see someone say something and feel like shit for two minutes. But then I sit there and think, I'm rich. I don't care. <laughs> like, I come out of a council house in Stepney Green. I built my mama house. You think I give a fuck? Um, Julie 0387655. XYZ on Twitter. Yeah. Don't like my teeth. No, I'm Why right don't they it. ever have normal names? Because they're not fucking real or they're not right. Like, yeah. it's just crazy. But I literally go back at the end of the day knowing I'm not hurting anyone. I'm nice to people. I've done a good job. And if it all ends tomorrow, I'm comfortable for a little bit. I'm all right. So, Julie, the fact that you think I've got horse teeth or you don't like it because you think I'm too gay or you, why is that bender on the TV and stuff like that? I'm not, the the easiest way I sleep at night is knowing that I'm not Julie 03678XYZ on Twitter. Amen. I feel And that. if I do feel like shit, I just check my bank balance. <laughs> I love the energy. I'm on it. And <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. Um, when you're a presenter, obviously you have to be kind of smiling. It is, it's a persona, you know, and I've seen, yeah. I've seen it in when I've gone to live recordings and seen people, you've really got to switch it on because you are the glue that keeps everyone at that, at that level and at that pace. But I mean, you said it there. That's not always how you feel. How easy no. is it for you to switch it on? Easy. And I'll tell you why, because actually, I've, I've been through times in my life where I've had to go to work and smile and, and do my job when in my real life, it's not great. And 
you know, I remember the day that my nan died and my nan was like a second mum, I hosted Big Brother that day. And they were like, have the day off, rah, rah, rah. I was in bits and stuff like that. But I was like, no, I need to do this. Like, I need to do this. And actually work to me is an escape, I suppose, because I can be me, but also play a part at the same time. And when you're live on TV and that earpiece is in and you know you've got two seconds until the whole country are about to watch, you have no choice other than to do it. Because if you don't, that's it. And actually, that's helped me uh, a lot over the years with stuff I've had to deal with. And, yeah, like, I do feel it's easy to go and play that part. Obviously, everything's a job, and I'm very lucky with the job that I do because I actually love my job. But some days you get up and you think, oh, I don't want to go work or I don't want to do this, whether you work in a supermarket or whether you're Kim Kardashian. Like, it, it, I'm sure some days everyone wakes up and goes, I really don't want to go work today. Blah, blah. But I've just got lucky over the years that I've done all right. And I now, especially after I got ill, I only do things I actually want to do. And if I don't want to do it, I won't do it no more. And I'm in a very luxury position where I can choose to do that but that's because I've not been an idiot and any money I've earned, I've looked after. And I'm very grateful that one, I can support my family, support myself. And at the same time, if, you know, jobs, I'm very lucky that jobs still come into me rather than me go out to look for them. And, you know, sometimes a job will come in, which, and you find out how much money it's worth. And you're like, well, of course I've got to do this. Like I'd be silly not to, but actually I did that for a long time because I felt I had to. And now I only do things I actually want to do because I've, I've realized that life is unpredictable. And do you know what? I don't want to spend one second of it being unhappy. And if it don't make me happy, I'm not going to do it. And that's the same with my personal life as well. Like I've been single now for what, two years, two and a half years. And the reason I'm single is because unless it's the right person and it's right why am i why am i going to do it to myself like i don't want to go through that again i don't want to someone said to me when i was ill which is the last thing you want to hear is until you're comfortable on your own you'll never be comfortable with someone else and you just think shut the fuck up you've got no idea what i'm going through but actually they were right and now i'm comfortable on my own i'd rather be within my company knowing that it's right them with someone just wasting time absolutely i mean you you've been really honest and, and you've written memoirs about your own experiences when you are unpicking really painful things that have happened in your personal life do you find that cathartic has that been helpful or is it like picking a wound oh no horrendous <laughs> <laughs> horrendous um no i do you know what i've always just been honest and didn't want to not be honest so all the bad stuff that's part of my life it's still part of my life so I, it, there's no point skirting over it I find it a little bit like when people lie and say they haven't had Botox or they haven't had their lips done or they haven't <laughs> had this done and they're like no I've never had anything done I'm like we are not stupid your lips we can are see. the size they were yesterday we know just be honest like yeah. I can't lie I can't lie. I've learned that I can't lie. I can't do anything like that when it's important. 
And yeah, I've just always found if I'm always honest and I'm always open, I keep some things to myself, of course, like views about people or things, but that's human nature. But I've always find if the more open and honest I am, the more I know I'm never going to trip myself up and no one else can either. You just mentioned it there and I think it'd be interesting to talk about because being on screen requires you to look a certain way. Have you ever felt pressure because of your job and having to look? Yeah, I suppose I have, but I created that pressure because I created Rylan. So I gave that pressure to myself, but then all of a sudden I would love nothing more than to turn up to work with no makeup on, uh, uh, my hair shaved, rah, rah, rah. Oh my God, what an easy life. But I've created something, so I need to go with that. And yeah, I mean, over the years I've changed and I think my look is, you look at a picture a year over the last 12 years, it's a different person at the beginning to it is now and all the ones in between. However, I created that and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Do you think TV's got kinder since you first got into TV? I think... I think TV has got kinder in the fact that I think we used to love watching people suffer. It's probably the best terminology. We used to like watching people fail. I think secretly we still like watching people fail. And I'm not talking terrible failures, but I think we still like watching people fail. I think that's human nature. I think it makes us feel better about ourselves, which is really weird. But I think TV's moved to an era now where it's more supportive, which is a great thing. However, I think TV should always remember that not everything is as bad as it seems and TV's there to do a job. You know, like The Traitors, again, is perfect because the reason we watch The Traitors is to see people fail. We don't watch it to see people succeed. We actually watch it to see people fail, but it's the right balance of lies, deceit, and failure where we're not taking the piss out of someone on a singing show for the way that they look. You know, I think that, I think those times has passed a hundred percent, but we're all judgy bastards. We all love judge people to make ourselves feel better. You could be the nicest person in the world, but if you see someone you don't like looking like shit, you love it. What do you think reality TV shows should be doing better to protect contestants? I think reality TV shows now are doing everything they can to protect contestants. But I do think that they're, and that's very important. But from a show point of view, I feel that reality TV has got slightly scared in making situations like they used to, and rightly so in a lot of cases, But I also think we shouldn't forget the essence of what reality TV is. It's real. And not everything is great. And I don't think we should be frightened of seeing that. You know, you look at old Big Brother and Fight Night, for instance, Big Brother 5, like Nadia and and the guys. I mean, horrendous, but real. And this is what I'm saying. That wouldn't happen now on reality TV. And some people might sit there and go, that's a good thing. But I would sit there and say, but then it's not real because if that was supposed to happen, it's big brother to me was always a real reflection of society. Granted, some of them are very much characterful, 
but it was a f- reflection of society. People do argue. People do get the hump. People do get this. And I think reality TV, when it comes down to the show itself, needs to remember it's reality TV and not constructed reality TV and telling people, don't say this because you're coming across bad. If someone's coming across bad, it's probably because they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> do you know 100%. what I mean? Yeah. So that that's my thing i think the behind the scenes stuff is very much being taken care of which i think is so important and especially as someone who's been through that but i think the on screen stuff should be made to play out yeah well let's talk about hot mess summer yeah so i loved this Thank um you. so for the listeners at home uh, it's it's some big personalities that have been told that they're going to Zanti for a summer of fun and partying. They have won a night and then they are in front of you, Rylan, and you tell them that there's a twist. Yeah, just a little, um, (laughs) a little twist. Um, Basically, they all think that they're going on a show called Party Summer and they're all greeted one by one by me and I welcome them to Party Summer. I've told them... That, that I've got them a lovely villa. They're going to go for a night out tonight to meet all their fellow partiers. I send them off on a very drunken night out and they come back to me the following morning. I call them into a bar and tell them that that was their last night out for a, a long time because, in fact, they now work for me in my bar <laughs> and they're not in the summer. They're, they're going to be running the bar. All I can say is poor, poor Lee. Yeah. Who is tasked with training them. He is, but Lee's a great manager. So I've known <laughs> Lee for years. Um, and when I found out Lee was doing the show, I was like, yeah, great. He'll be fine. Um, but yeah, the show is very temperamental. Um, there is a lot of selfish individuals that you will love or hate. But actually, when you watch the whole series, you can't help but feel for them and fall in love with them. How did it feel when you had to tell them the news? Were you really nervous? Well, everyone else was shitting themselves around me. Like, all the crew were like, oh, God, I'm going to go down. Because we, the, the main worry was that people would leave and go, well, this ain't what I've signed up for. And we did have that. Uh, one of the contestants, Jay, he very much was like, well, I ain't doing this. This isn't what I've cancelled a holiday for this. And then in goes Rylan, your mate, and says, look, if you want to go, go. That's fine. We'll fly you home now. And I think it's just about calling people out and going, you're you're not, this is not um, prisoner of Azkaban. Like, we're not letting you, like, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not tied up. You know, go, go. We've got a replacement for everyone. So anyone that don't want to do this, don't. And then luckily they decided to give it a go to yeah. some success and some not success. I think people, when they watch reality TV, are always surprised at how quickly people form relationships and how invested people get. Well, I've worked in reality for 12 years and even I was fucking shocked at how quick they <laughs> form relationships. I was like, what? I was like, this is not Love Island. I know. I think some of them did think it was Love Island take two. Yeah. No, Anne, you're here to work. Not yeah, fine, go love. to work, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do you think people, when they are in a bubble everything is so much more heightened because a week on something like Love Island or, you know, where you're not communicating with the outside world, it feels so much longer. A day feels like a week, a week feels like a month, a month feels like a year. I was in Celebrity Big Brother for a month and Claire from Steps is basically now my sister. 
and how can you have that bond the bonds that you make you substitute your family so like all these kids in there will sit there and look at that girl so if i'm a girl in in hot mess summer i will look at that other girl as my best mate at home and you yeah. instantly go like that and you replace it's like a save and replace that's what you do in these type of experiences and i've been in them x factor big brother so watching them go through that experience it didn't shock me that the relationships that were bred on the show um but as a person who don't work in tv brain at the back of my head it always still shocks me just how quick people trust or distrust as well you did have a stint working in river island and uh, what were you like working in a customer facing job oh i was great I what you're about. <laughs> no i was i was i yeah all my jobs previously to to this job were always very public facing um and actually, yeah, I mean, I worked in a bar myself and I loved it. I loved mm. working in a bar. However, I didn't have cameras in my face and people scrutinising my every move. Did I have a sly drink from behind the bar? Yes. Did I maybe add a little tip on here and then when someone was pissed? Maybe I did. Like, you know, but I didn't have cameras watching me 24-7 and then it going back to the manager. So, yeah, I mean, I would... I would I would hate nothing more than to be a contestant again. Put <laughs> it that way. <laughs> Unless it was celebrity traitors, I'd fucking go to town on that. Oh my gosh, we need to make that happen. You would oh, get okay. to the I'm very end. Right and centre. I literally, every time I see her, I'm like, why has this not been done, please? Sort it out or I'll cut you through, girl. <laughs> oh god. Okay, well, on that note, Rylan, thank you so much for coming on the Radio Times podcast. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, both. If you enjoyed this episode, you might like to listen to my conversation with radio presenter Roman Kemp or my chat with the nation's favourite PE teacher, Joe Wicks. Thank you for listening to the Radio Times podcast with me, your host, Kellyanne Taylor. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please do follow, rate and review wherever you get your podcast from. It helps other TV and film lovers find us. Until next Tuesday, happy viewing.